the last Sunday afternoon talk that I gave was entitled Choose Life, Choose Inconvenience. And then the next talk I was due to give uh, last Sunday, I inconveniently couldn't couldn't give because uh, uh, this uh, admirable bug that's been going around Amravati had had its effect and I was laid low and uh, couldn't couldn't function uh, very much at all through that Sunday. So it was an object lesson in inconvenience. Looking at the so the advent of illness, arrival of illness, we say, oh, it's a problem or it's an obstruction or it's a hassle. It's inconvenient. I'm supposed to give the Sunday afternoon talk. It's really inconvenient. My eyes are streaming, my nose is running, I'm coughing. And need to sleep half the day. It's inconvenient, but in what respect? I'm practicing Dhamma. A lot of it involves getting perspective on the illusion of personal control. If we're in the middle part of our life, we're an adult, we get used to the idea of I make my choices, I do what I like, I go where I want. I'm in charge of my life. And the illusion of control is strongest. If we have most of our faculties or between the ages of 20 and 70-ish, 80-ish, then the Illusions of control can be very convincing. To practice Dhamma is to take a step back and to recognize this is illusory. So either reflections on aging, sickness, death, jara dhamomi jarangmanatito, I'm of the nature to age, I'm of the nature to sicken, I'm of the nature to die. That's what this condition is part of, these processes that are not under personal control. They function entirely according to the laws of nature, which is not personal. And practicing Dhamma and establishing right view as the ground, as the basis for practice, one of the first things needs to be this relinquishing of the delusion of personal control. How we judge things, how we measure things, what we call good, bad, what I'm going to do, what I'm not going to do, what I like, what I don't like, what's large, what's small, what's meaningful, what's not meaningful. The patterns of conditioning of all of our lives create these kinds of judgments, measurements. What I like, what I don't like. What's big, what's small. What's a long time, what's a short time. What has value, what has no value. We can say, being healthy is valuable. Being sick has no value. It's just an obstruction, an intrusion. That's one way of looking at it. But 
if the mind is locked into those personal conditioned worldly perspectives then it's creating the causes for suffering for dukkha over and over again so establishing right view a large part of that is establishing a perspective on the mind's conditioning what we call beautiful or ugly what we call right or wrong long or short mine or yours good or bad convenient or inconvenient get to know the conditioning of this mind this life to recognize those judgments as judgments not as absolute realities and we say well this is beautiful to catch the that attitude of mind and say well according to this perspective it is according to another's perspective it isn't if you're ill and you lose your appetite somebody can offer you what's usually your favorite food and then ugh the idea of eating anything is really off-putting so is it delicious or not the deliciousness relies solely in the mind it's not in the food if you're hungry you recover from your illness it's put in front of you oh yes interesting good delicious where's the deliciousness only in the mind not in the food so it takes a lot of mindfulness and application a lot of effort to notice the 10,000 judgments measurements that take place during the course of any day to notice the mind's reckoning this is loud this is quiet this is good this is bad this is how it should be this is how it shouldn't be takes a tremendous application resolution keep noticing look at that the mind is believing in a, a measurement a judgment it's trying to fit the nature of the universe into my preferred box of approvals things that I like things I approve of when we measure things good against bad long against short like against dislike we're just comparing one experience of a thing with an experience or another thing Lumpucha would hold up a stick and say is this long or short depends what you compare it to compared to an ant you'd say it's long compared to the size of the sala it's short so is that stick long or short there's no intrinsic longness or shortness there we forget this the English word ratio measuring one thing against another is connected to rationality rational thinking believing in those kinds of comparisons measurements taking them to be absolute that's what rationality is the mind that believes in its own measurements its own judgments its own reckonings
as the Buddha said, pamanakara, raga, passion, desire, is a maker of measurement, pamanakara, delusion, moha, dosa, aversion. These are all makers of measurement, pamanakara. So, freeing the heart from greed, hatred and delusion, passion, aversion and delusion, is freeing the heart from that habit of making measurements and believing in them. Letting go of the habit of judging the experiences of the world on a basis of rationality, measuring one thing against another, like against dislike, long against short, coarse against fine, pure against impure, convenient against inconvenient. So the measureless liberation of the heart is not just measureless in terms of being a really long distance that is too big to measure or too small to measure, but more like non-measurable the heart which is free from the habit of believing in measurements, judgments, fixed perceptions of, of the mind that arise out of habit. It's the measureless liberation of mind, apamana, cetovimuti. Establishing right view, samaditi, right view is the heart that is open to knowing those habits of approving, disapproving, long and short, coarse and fine, pure and impure, but which doesn't give them a place to land. Again, when the Buddha was describing the, the quality of the awake, the enlightened heart, he said, this is where long and short and coarse and fine and pure and impure can find no footing. There's no landing place. No false solidity or reality is given to those judgments. Self and other, inside, outside, long and short, coarse and fine. The heart that is embodying right view Samaditi, a view which is in tune with reality, knows that all those kinds of judgments can only be partial, can only be approximations or convenient fictions. They can't be anything solid or real. At the beginning of this group retreat began with no morning reflection since I was <laughs> still uh, laid up in my kuti, sneezing and dripping and snoozing. Today there's some words. The rest of the day we're left to our own practice, formal practice of sitting, walking meditation, informal practice of the times between those there's a group formal if, uh, occasions. We're eating, washing our bowls, going for a walk, tidying our living place, 
whatever we might be doing. So the practice only it doesn't only pertain or have significance when there's talking going on. The instruction, ideally, goes on through the day. These words are spoken out loud to encourage, to give a bit of direction. But as Lung Po Cha would often say, his job was not to be the teacher, his job was to help everyone to be their own teachers. He would point out how, even though he might be sitting up in the, the, the central seat doing the talking, that purpose that that role had was to help each individual to teach themselves. So this, uh, I feel, is also the attitude to, to be encouraged, not to think of, of me as a teacher or Lumpur Sumedho as the teacher, but just as a, a way of a catalyst, a means of helping you to teach yourself, whether words are being spoken or not, whether it's formal practice or informal, whatever is happening during the day, sitting, standing, walking, lying down, to watch, to explore, investigate, see the mind's habits, what it judges good, what it judges as bad. This is great, this is just what I like, this is so satisfying, yes. To look at that, to feel it, to know it and go, right, this is the yes feeling, that's what this is. This is the heart saying, this is what I'm after. I approve. That's the I approve feeling. Watch what happens in the heart when that recognition is established. Or the other end of the spectrum, this is just what I don't want to happen, this is really tedious, this is not satisfying, this is not nourishing, this isn't working. Do we believe that? Do we take that to be true and real? Or, if we're practicing, really using the teaching, is the, the view established, oh, this, is the, this isn't working feeling. This is the mind saying, this is unsatisfying. I don't approve. Being ill is a hassle. I don't approve. I want this to be over. I want something else. Is that recognized? Is there a, no, a noting in that moment, oh, this is the I want something else attitude. I don't want this. This is not good. I want something else. The heart that lets go of that steps back and knows, oh, this is the I want something else feeling. Look what happens in the heart in that moment of recognition. It's the same tone, the same spaciousness, the same appreciation. Approval, disapproval, like, dislike. The wanted, the unwanted. The expected, the unexpected. The heart which knows those polarities. It's the same heart. The heart that's awake, open, 
non-judgmental, limitless, immeasurable. It's the immeasurable, the non-measurable liberation of the heart. The heart is not pamanakara, not making measurements, but knowing how that happens and not being convinced, deluded by that. <laughs>